Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. If you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts. Today we start our series titled Unpacking the Book of Acts. Hope the children have a great time. Thank you for the Steiners. I think they're teaching this morning, our children's church. Um, we're thankful for their willingness to teach, and if you're looking forward to an opportunity to help serve in our church, uh, we always need a good teacher. Uh, and you say, well, I don't know how good I am. We could use you and, uh, in, in the ministry here. And so the, find a way to get involved. We're thankful for our teachers. Um, uh, this morning, it was great. We Andrew talked about starting in our Logos classes, our two new Logos classes, and uh, I'm really upset because Pastor David put two really, really good teachers and two really great subjects that it's hard to decide which one. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of our teachers, even our adult teachers, for the time and commitment that goes into. And it was great, great to see each of you here for the classes and being involved in that and that we can grow and study and learn um, together. Um, today we start in the book of Acts, and I, I have to admit I'm a little nervous so here's why. Can I tell you why I'm a little nervous this morning? I'm nervous because I'm going to talk about one verse today. I'm going to cover one verse in, in 20 minutes. Are you ready for that? Say, man, that's uh, good luck. Um, no, it, it is a background. I want to give us a background a little bit of this book before we dig into it. I think it's a critical book uh, as we look at the Bible and as we look at Christianity, as we look at the church. I don't think the book of Acts is given to us for a church to say this is how we are to run a church. I don't think that's the purpose of the book of Acts. We're going to talk about the purpose of the book, and we're going to look at how, uh, who wrote it and how some of those things went. Um, but I'm a, I have to tell you, I'm super, super excited to go through this book, and, and I hope that you'll join me, and I hope that you'll, you'll come with me uh, as we dig into the Word and as we unpack the truths of God's Word and that we apply them to our life. Let me challenge you, uh, if you would, that you would read through the book of Acts once every week as we go through this series. So it gives you a perspective, a fullness of what this letter, what this book is all about as Dr. Luke uh, writes it. Um, and so let me encourage you, take time out of your week. Um, you don't have to read it in a day. You don't have to read it seven times, but read it once before you walk in on a Sunday morning uh, as we start to unpack this and see and ask the Lord to reveal the truths of his word to us. I think, it, I think God has some some great things in store for us, and he's been working in my heart as well. How about we pray and uh, ask the Lord to do that, to work in us. Lord, thank you for our children's church teachers, our nursery workers. Lord, thank you for those who work and serve behind the scenes. We pray, Lord, for, um, for them as they serve, that you would equip them. I pray for our children, that you would open their hearts and their minds to your word and uh, may your spirit move in a great way in their midst today. May they be able to take the truths that they hear from your word and apply them and live them out. Help them to grasp that. Lord, we pray that for us as we sit here. We have the wonderful privilege of hearing a word from you. And so, Lord, may that be clear. I pray that you would help us to tune in and be able to be receptive to what your spirit is, is wanting to teach us and to show us. Lord, help us to take that word and live it out 
um, to mull it over, Lord, to think about how critical it is, your word and the truth that it is, and help us then to allow it to change our lives so that when we leave here in a half an hour that we will be changed in different people because we've met with you and because we've got a word from the Lord. So help us, Lord. Bless our time. Help me, Lord. I need your help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So we believe that I believe um, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts here. He was a physician. He was a doctor. Um, he worked and served under uh, and alongside of Paul. Uh, we read that in Colossians 4.14 and Philemon 24. Um, Luke was probably a Gentile, um, but he was very knowledgeable in the Old Testament, meaning he, he knew the Greek Old Testament very well, the Septuagint, because of how he writes, we see that this wasn't something foreign or just forced into it, kind of how you would look at me and any other language other than English, and maybe even English, how it's forced, all right, it would be forced with me, it comes very natural in his writings, um, and so um, we see that the main um, uh, theme of this book is found in verse 8, and uh, that is our verse of the month. And so let me encourage you that you would memorize that. It's what this whole, it's this whole uh, Acts, uh, it's titled Acts of the Apostles. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's what this whole book is about, is in verse 8. But when you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to get to see as we walk through the book of Acts how God does that, all right? And so um, what we do see here, though, as well, is we see um, that the preface of this book is actually found in another book, his first book, because this is a two-volume work. Um, the, the epistle of Luke is the first volume, and this is the second volume. And so if you want to be an overachiever um, and you don't want to just read the book of Acts, let me encourage you that you would read the book of Luke and then you go and you read the book of Acts and see how well they just fit together. And so we see over in Luke, and actually I'm going to read um, this verse to you. It'll be up on the screen, but you can turn over there if you want to Luke 1. Um, let me do this. While you're still there in Acts, Acts 1, I want to read to that first. It says, in this first book, or in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In the first book. So he's referencing the epistle of the gospel of Luke. And so now let's go over to Luke. And Luke 1, we're going to look at these first four verses. And so Luke's whole preface for the for both volumes is this. He says this in Luke 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken the, um, to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so uh, this first book, uh, what we see 
is that this first book is dealing with all that Jesus began to do and to teach, whereas the second book is going to continue what Jesus and the Holy Spirit continued to do. So Luke is saying this is what Jesus began to do and to teach. The book of Acts is going to show us how Jesus continued and what he was called to do and how he worked and he is going to use the spirit that he promises as he is raised from the dead and how the, the gospel of Jesus is going to continue to spread. So the outline is pretty simple for the book of Acts. There's an intro uh, where uh, Dr. Luke shares with us how Jesus spends 40 days with his disciples and with others. And then he gives the promise of the spirit. And then we see in chapter 2 through 7 about how that gospel... It, it spreads in Jerusalem. And then uh, chapter 8 through 12, it goes then to Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 through 28, it goes to the ends of the earth. And so we see this, um, chapter 1, verse 8, the theme of this whole writing of Acts, how it's going uh, to take place, it's going to happen in, in the following chapters. Um. It also shows us that while Jesus, the book of Luke says this is Jesus' ministry um, while he was here on this earth, the book of Acts tells us and shows us that Jesus' ministry wasn't done when he raised from the dead. Jesus continued to be active, and he still is active today. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, even after he ascends into heaven, Jesus is still at work. Um, you may question, say, well, who is Luke writing to? Theophilus. Um, this in um, the, the Greek, when you take it in its verb form as an adjective, its, uh, its um, meaning is loved by God or loving God. Um, some scholars think that this could be titling those who love God, who are following him, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, or it could be a person. I, I believe, and again, you do your research, you do, you have to dig in. I believe it's a person. Uh, it's probably a specific person. He's probably a Roman official. Uh, and because of the way it's written, the most excellent Theophilus, uh, again, kind of when you look at the writings of that time, it gives you um, a, a title towards somebody who was in Roman uh, power or had some authority. It is interesting to see his name, though, loved by God. Um, when we look at the book of Acts, there's also another book of the Bible, which is really cool when you think about um, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, when you look at the old covenant and the move to the new covenant, there's something dramatic that happens when Jesus comes and he dies and he raises from the dead. This new covenant starts, and they're moving the only time in history moving from this old covenant to a new covenant, we get to see the outworkings of that. How do you take a group of people who were living underneath an old covenant and move them to living and, and functioning um, and loving God in a new covenant? And so the book of Hebrews is the theological aspect of being able to see that transition from the old to the new. Acts, we get to see the practical side of that, the physical side of God moving from the old covenant to the new covenant and how he's going to show that through people and through the, the visualization of the outpouring of the gospel. 
And so it's pretty cool when you look at how God's work, uh, God's word works together, that not only do we get the theological aspect, the, the, the what is this old covenant and how does it represent how is it represented in the new covenant and Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection and his blood? And, but then we also get to see it. How do these people, how are they functioning? How do they go every day and living their lives, moving from an Old Testament way of thinking, the old covenant, to a new covenant? And how are they going to live that out? And so we get to see that here in the book of Acts. Um, the name, you can look at your Bible, maybe yours it probably says the Acts of the Apostles. Um, there's some debate about how uh, and what the name should be. That's the traditional name that is given to this book, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Others have titled it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think that does injustice to um, the work of the Apostles. Um, but I think that we miss something too. There's uh, others who will call it the Acts of the Apostles through the Holy Spirit. Um, and then some say the Acts of Jesus in the Spirit. Here's my, if I was going to label it, give it a label. I think this is a good label. And there's some other scholars who think so too. Because um, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. But as I read through it, this is, remember what, what, Luke is writing, he's writing in his first letter about what Jesus began, all right? The Acts 1 says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. It's, it's almost assuming in the terminology there that this book will show what Jesus continues to do and to teach. And so if we leave Jesus out of this, in the title of it, I think we do a disservice in a way. And so I would title this The Acts of Jesus by His Spirit through His Apostles. How do you like that for long term? We'll just call it Acts, okay? But what I want you to do is I want you to make sure that you grab a hold that this is the work and the doing and the teaching of Jesus that He is going to do allowing the spirit, he's sending the spirit, and then the spirit is going to be using the apostles, and the apostles are going to be spreading the good news across the globe, starting in Jerusalem, moving to Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. You with me? You good? I believe that Acts is critical to the church and to the world. Um, some have set out to disprove this book due to its uh, historical nature. And when people take the book of Acts, they look at the history that's recorded and they try to compare that to the history that we have recorded. And, uh, and there's one example of a man who, uh, who set out to disprove the history of Acts. And as he did that, and there's been many before and after him. As you do that, you start to see that what was really written in the book of Acts really happened. All right? And so when you look at the artifacts and you look at the, the, the diggings, um, all the different things of, of archaeology, um, when you see that come together, you see that this book can be trusted 
And that's why Luke is writing it. Remember what he says in Luke 1. He says, I'm writing this so that you may be certain of the things that you've been taught. And so when we look at this, um, we see um, Jesus is leading people by his spirit to go into the world. uh, And he's inviting all nations now. It's not just his chosen nation and a few other individuals. He is inviting all people, all nations, to live under his authority. Next week, we're going to look at this this idea that Jesus, as he goes up from, from the earth, he has ascended into heaven, what that represents as he goes up to heaven. In Daniel chapter 7, he, he is now seated on the throne he is, it shows he is the power, he is the authority. And so Acts is showing us that we, we get the opportunity, that nations now get the opportunity and are invited to come sit and be a part underneath Jesus' authority in his kingdom. Now, that's a question that you could ask yourself today. Whose kingdom are you living in today? Whose kingdom are you Following, whose authority are you under? Um, when we see, um, ultimately, again, this starts in Jerusalem. It moves to Judea and Samaria and then goes to the ends of the earth. There are some who believe, uh, I do not believe that this, that the, the coming of God's spirit in the new temple is fulfilled in this book. Meaning this. There are promises that we see in Ezekiel and we see in Isaiah, Isaiah 32, Ezekiel 36, Joel 2, where there are promises that are given to the nation of Israel and there's a new temple that is built and in that new temple, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah was going to come, is going to come and he's going to rule and he's going to reign. There are some who take those and who will take the passages and acts and will say that is a lining up of what this what the prophets were saying, and the church is the new Israel. I don't believe that. You do your study, you do your research. I believe that Israel was and still is God's chosen nation. We live in a day and a time where God has put a pause upon his promises to Israel, and he has opened salvation and the gospel up for all nations. There will come a time when that pause is then played, okay? All right, if you're watching the show and you put pause and then you push play and then it begins again. All right, so the church age, we call that the church age. We are currently in the church age. And so we need to be careful. We need to understand as we walk through the book of Acts, there are some symbolisms that may show us and help us understand what the covenants and the old covenant, what it looked like, the new covenant, but we also need to understand that we cannot, don't, don't, I believe, don't put us as the church in place of Israel. There are, there are tangible, physical guidelines that need to be fulfilled, all right? Israel will be a nation. They are a nation again today. At one time, they weren't a nation. They are now a nation, and they will be brought from all different lands. The Jewish people will be brought together again, 
they will have the completeness of the land that they were promised in the Old Testament. They do not have that right now. That will happen one day. I'm going down a rabbit trail. All that to say is this. The church is different and distinct from Israel. Okay? Remember that as we go through this. Um, let's look at this verse. One verse, right? We're going to break it down. In the first book, which we went back and we looked at Luke, we saw the beginning of that. This first book, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Um, when we look at this, and then we look at what Luke wrote, he, he wrote a narrative of the things that have been accomplished, he says in verse 1. The things that, that were done amongst him and others. They, they, they saw it, and he writes this, he says, they are eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Not only were they eyewitnesses, but they also had others who saw other parts who delivered that information firsthand to Luke so that as he recorded it, he wanted to be very careful and very detailed. That's why his, uh, his, his epistle, his gospel, gospel, not epistle, his gospel is the longest, I think, because he wants to record for us the detail of not only for him and as he saw different things, but as he heard from probably Mark, all right, and others as he records it, very detailed. Followed all these things closely. He said, not only did I hear about these, but I have been following these things closely. What do you follow closely? As you follow things closely, you pick up on different details, right? Right now, basketball is a big deal. It's college basketball time, and so you start following these different teams to see which team is going to set themselves up to be really good in the tournament of March Madness. Some of you, that's like Greek. You have no idea what I just said because you don't follow it. You don't follow it closely. For me, I follow it closely, so I'm interested in that. Luke, as a physician, as he goes around, he hears, he sees these things about Jesus, and as he does, he starts putting these pieces together, and he has a keen interest. This isn't just somebody who sat down one day and said, you know what, I think maybe I'll just write a few words. No, these are things that he followed very closely and recorded and so that he could put together something that became very accurate. I want to write what he says. I want to write an orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Let me ask you this. This is our application today. Are you certain of who Jesus is? Let me encourage you that you, you, um, you have an opportunity laid before you today, uh, and it's called the Bible. Um, it's called God's Word. We call it God's Word because we believe it came from God, written by men, led by the Holy Spirit to record and to put together exactly what God wanted us to have from him. And we test it to prove, to see if it is real or not. And when you test it, you see the genuineness that continues to come back, that it is real. And the things recorded in it are real. But how certain are you of who and what Jesus has done? Luke is written so that we may know 
what Jesus began to do and to teach. How often are you in it? How often do you dig into the word so that you may be certain of what took place and what God desires for us? How certain are you of Jesus' continued work, which he continues even to this day? That's what Acts is all about. It's about what Jesus continued to teach and how he continued to work through the spirit, through his spirit that was a gift. Are you a skeptic? Do you say, you know what, I'm not sure if this Bible is real. I don't even know if God's real. Maybe you're a believer. You say, you know what, I I think that's true. Maybe, Maybe you would even say that you're a disciple. Yes, I follow Jesus. I'm not just a believer. I take it a step further that this is what I commit my life to. Let me encourage you, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy and don't rely upon other people to give you the answers. Don't neglect the opportunity that God has laid before each one of us. We have been given God's word and you have an opportunity to read it and to study it and to see if it is true. What you do today and tomorrow and the next day will show you and the people around you who you really are. Are you a skeptic? Are you a believer? Or are you a disciple? I believe that God calls us to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus. How confident and how certain are you that what is recorded here is the truth. I believe that if we believe this whole word of God is truth, it changes and radicalizes the way we live every day. Because when we start to see the hand of God working in the people of God, all of a sudden something changes in our life. That faith turns into joy. I start trusting God more. I find hope. If I don't, I become selfish. I become self-reliant instead of God-reliant. Ultimately, it leads me to a life of misery. Do you understand that apart from God, our lives are miserable? You say, well, there's a lot of people in my life that seem pretty happy. They may be happy for a moment, but let me tell you, there's a deep underlying satisfaction that needs to be met inside of us because we are created in the image of God. Our souls desire to have a relationship with our creator. We can try to numb it. We can try to push it away. We can try to harden our heart to that. But inside of each one of us, we have that. Are you stressed? If you believe that the word of God is true, you won't be stressed anymore. That doesn't mean that we won't struggle. And listen, I, I'm, I'm so guilty of this. that we, we wrestle with taking God at his word. Is it true? If he is an almighty good God who loves me and who says, anything that I put in your life is for your good. If I believe that, I'm not going to stress it might be hard. 
I might have anguish because I'm going to suffer, but I can trust him that he's got a perfect plan in that. And yet we don't look at suffering in those terms. We don't look at hardships in those terms because we wrestle with, am I certain that this is right? There's a historical fiction book I just finished. And let me just say, that is a big deal for me, okay? I don't read fiction. Um, I think uh, maybe that many in my life. Um, Where the Red Fern Grows, I remember reading that in seventh grade. I cried. That was a sad book. I read this historical fiction book, and it's on uh, Charles Spurgeon. He was a preacher in the 1800s. And uh, Thomas Johnson, he was a slave in the 1800s in Virginia. And how God orchestrated and moved their lives together, and they became very, very good friends. And one of the things that the writers do is they did a great amount of historical work on uh, Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, let me encourage you to do a little history and do a little work. This man was, he's known as the Prince, the prince of Preachers. Um, he preached to thousands and thousands uh, in London. Um, he, he, God used and orchestrated him at a time where, um, where they grew a church from very, very little to thousands. They outgrew their buildings, and in London they needed to um, build, and, and he would preach to 14, uh, 15, 16,000 people uh, on a Sunday. And God orchestrated and used him in great ways. And when you read his, his uh, literature, which got um, uh, the printing press was uh, a great invention. And God used that printing press to be able to not only spread the word, the, the, the Bible, but also a great enormous amount of his literature got printed and then got shipped over to America. And, uh, and so he, he, in this, he... We have a perspective. I had a perspective of here's this great giant of a man, a man of faith, a man who loved God, who could communicate the word. But what we got, what I got through this historical narrative was this this picture of a life of a guy who really struggled. He struggled with depression. He struggled with with overcoming um, doubts and wrestlings of of darkness, and God, are you really using me in, in ways that, that, I don't want this to sound morbid, but it was refreshing to me because as your, as your pastor, I get up and I can communicate the word, but then we go and we live our lives and we wrestle with, is this really, God, I know you're real, but man, there's this voice in my head that tells me I'm not good enough. There's a voice in my head that says, stop doing what you're doing. And let me tell you this morning, let me encourage you. Do you know for certain that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, that he was buried and that he rose again three days later? Because if we believe that, everything else and all the other lies we can let sweep away. Because God is faithful and he's true to his word. We have to wrestle with it. But we're not alone. There's nobody who's a great giant. We all have to wrestle in our faith. And that's why we must stay in the word of God. 
so that we can find that certainty, so that we can be reassured of what Jesus offers us, that our trust can be renewed, that our joy can be made complete, that our hope cannot be forgotten. We sang a song just before I came to preach and said, let faith arise, open my eyes. We need to sing that every day. I need to. Open my eyes, Lord. Let faith arise. There is not anybody who sits here today who is in a unique circumstance and privy to only suffering or only hardship all by yourself. We all have differences and we all have different avenues and ways that God has gifted us and where God's called us to. So if God's called you to be a doctor or to be a nurse or to be a stay-at-home mom or to be uh, even a lawyer, God can use you. Steve, I was just teasing. I just, I love you. That ultimately, wherever God has positioned and placed us, he wants to use individually for his glory For his honor, he wants to grow us and fashion us and use us as tools so that the world may see how awesome he is. But if I'm not certain, if if I'm not certain that God really loves me, I I, I lose something. There's something that's cracked That doesn't mean we can't ever have doubt. But let me encourage you, if you start to have doubt, if you're starting to wonder, how does God really see me? What does God really think about me? Don't be lazy. Dig in the word. Search the word of God. What does God really say? Not what does Google say. Luke wrote Acts so that we may see the continued work of Jesus so that we may be certain of the things that we were told, that they were told generations ago and so that we can be certain today. Hey, I heard this story from somebody. Really? Is that the way God works? Let me see. Oh, it is. We can be certain that God's truth is right here in our hands. And he desires to live right here in our hearts. Will you pray with me, Lord? As we close, I pray that you would help us to be a people who, who even though we may struggle, even though we may wrestle with the, the harder, difficult things in our life, Lord, at times we may struggle to overcome um, depression, We may struggle to overcome our selfishness and our own desires. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that you are there and that you love us and that you want to help us. Thank you for giving us your word so that we can be certain of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, but also so that we can be certain that he is with us today. Lord, I pray that as we move forward that you would help us to glean as we unpack the book of Acts 
I pray in the weeks ahead that you would continue to give us a word, Lord. Give us a word from your spirit that may change and mold us. We need to be made more in your image. Lord, I need you. I need you more today than I ever have. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you love us so much that you're right there. That you've promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And so, Lord, may we cast ourselves to the side and lay humbly before your throne. Teach us, show us your ways. Mold us and make us as a people, the people of West Hill. Lord, may the people of West Hill allow you to speak into our lives and to change us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.